You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. The debate about whether the lines have started to blur between B2C and B2B marketing has been going on for years. People who purchase software products, business tools, or healthcare equipment no longer consider themselves quote-unquote B2B buyers, goes the argument, but are consumers, just like everyone else, and marketers should take a similar approach when reaching out to the two audiences. To be sure, when we talk about closing the sale, there will almost certainly be sharp differences when it gets down to the nitty-gritty of B2C versus B2B. However, when it comes to the overall tone and mood of the campaign, there's a growing opportunity and need for the messaging to cross over between B2C and B2B audiences. That's according to Richard Parkinson, Chief Brand Officer at Prudential Financial, which offers for insurance, retirement planning, and investment management, among other services. In the past two years or so, the company has overhauled its marketing strategy. Now What, which launched late last year, is the second phase of the company's Who's Your Rock marketing campaign. Now What ads encourage customers to secure their financial future when they become homeowners, new parents, or when they buy a business. Parkinson joins me to talk about the campaign, why Prudential Financial recalibrated its marketing efforts, and what have been some of the lessons learned. Richard, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. Richard, lots to talk about regarding changes in Prudential Financial's marketing approach and new campaigns. So I thought I would start at the genesis. In this case, 2021, what was the impetus for changes overall and what was missing that required additional investments in marketing? 2021 seems a very long time ago now. We've all been through a lot in that time. And here we are sat in here in 2023. It's not necessarily around what was missing or actually required additional investment. Most importantly, it was actually focusing on the consistency of everything that we had to do. Because a lot of brands during the pandemic, they were kind of uncertain how to respond to maybe what their customers and clients were thinking about. And so actually during 2021, we actually took a hard look at actually what customers and clients were wanting from us and, and actually what role that we could play in people's lives. So by doing that, we really thought about where we needed to be and when we needed to be and how we needed to show up. And so actually bringing a more consistent approach to our advertising and to our brand advertising in particular, that was one of the things. And then also to bring back our iconic rock. You know, it's the US's fifth oldest trademark symbol. And actually, it's a really important symbol for us. And so we really needed to bring that back into the advertising. And that's what we've done also consistently since 2021. You know, we had the re-emergence of it. And then it's that consistency now of showing that actually we are the company, Prudential, with The Rock. And that Rock provides that sense of strength and stability going forward. We had a campaign that started in June, July 2021, which focused on bringing back the rock. And so therefore, we were asking our consumers, who's your rock? Who are the rocks that you depend on as that strength 
that keeps you going and also gives you that motivation to move you forward. And that's what this is all about. It's about having the strength of the rock behind you and therefore gives you the momentum and the motivation to then go out and succeed and do the things that you're good at while we actually take care of your financial confidence. Are you looking to bridge the past with the future? Is it past this prologue, this campaign? Brands like ours that have been around a very long time have a huge heritage to call on. Some of your listeners will be responsible for brands that have been around a very, very, very long time and wondering how to bring that heritage to life. And it's all about making it relevant in a contemporary way and also, most importantly, in a cultural way as well. We need to ensure that we're listening to our audiences. We need to ensure that we're listening not only to the audiences of today, by the way, but also of those audiences tomorrow. Like any brand, we need to be one step ahead of what our audiences today and tomorrow may be thinking, because we need to be relevant not only now, but in the future. We did a lot of research about what makes The Rock special and interesting and different. We have that strength. Yes, we've been around a very long time. That means fundamentally people can trust us. And trust, as we all know, in marketing and particularly in brand marketing is very, very, very hard won. And when you've got that trust, you need to maintain that trust. And so by maintaining that trust and showing that, look, we are here and we're here for you and we're here for you at all life's critical moments, then when they ask the question, who's your rock? It's us as Prudential that they can depend on with their financial lives. And that was the first iteration of the campaign. The second iteration of the campaign, Now What, launched late last year and is based on behavioral research showing that hope is a particularly powerful emotion. Talk to the ad brief and how to thread the needle, in this case, between the science and the art. The financial services industry as a whole, and also other industries too, talk about stress a lot, and which creates anxiety amongst people. By leaning into behavioral science, we notice that when you talk about stress, people want a way to de-stress, which gives them hope and the feeling that they can actually do anything from that. I think we've all been in that situation, no matter what you're dealing with, whether it's your finances, whether it's personal relationships, whatever it happens to be, we all meet that moment of stress and we really don't know what to do. Our role is to help de-stress. And then from that de-stress, we can then give hope and optimism and actually show that it's really not that difficult. While we still hold on to who's your rock, we are asking our customers, now what? Now what? Now what? How can we help you? When you get to that point, you think, now what? Well, here's what. And this is where Prudential can provide the answer. And actually, we found it's resonating really, really well across all of our audience groups. And that's actually quite exciting, but rooted deeply in behavioral science. Is it creating that duality in the sense that, okay, here's the rock, but now what are we going to do with it as opposed to previously it was just the rock? I don't think it's duality. It's kind of saying, look, we've been here and we're here for you. But actually, when you ask yourselves, now what? You know, when you reach that point in your lives that, you know, now what are we going to do? Then actually we can help you provide the answers. So now what? Here's what. And remember, you've got the rock, the prudential rock that has been with you for 150 years and will hopefully be here for another 150 years going forward to provide that stability. But it's more active, but make it easy for them. 
And regarding the B2B component of the campaign, targeting financial advisors and brokers, for example, did you slice and dice the content catering to various stages of the sales funnel, which is a challenge for most every company? What's different about the B2B message? Every company struggles with this. There are a myriad of companies out there that both have a B2C component and a B2B component and also a B2B2C component too, which is what we also wrestle with. Our B2B financial advisors welcome the fact that we are advertising and we're advertising across a wide range of channels to give consumers confidence that they can actually trust Prudential and that we have been here and we will be here for the long term. Our financial advisors see that and kind of recognize that consumers will be much more aware of Prudential and the products that it's got to offer. Not only do our B2B audiences welcome the fact that we are undertaking a lot of B2C advertising, there are specific advertisements and media that will go direct to our B2B audiences, which will focus on much more product benefits, how they can help their customers and how they can help their advisors. Because also I'm sure they get to the point where they kind of go, now what? So the it works across all of the audiences, but it'll be tweaked slightly for the different channels. And as we head into a short break, Richard, what was the challenge for catering to younger audiences for both B2C and B2B, but B2B in particular in that, B2B buyers these days say, unlike, say, five or 10 or 15 years ago, they don't look at themselves as, quote, B2B buyers. They're, they're hip consumers just like their brethren on the consumer side. So how is that for a challenge? Correct. And in particular, with the B2B advisors, I see themselves, I'm sure they see themselves and we see them as customer advocates. They have a huge customer base, so they're interested in what the consumer is doing. I think when it comes to reaching younger audiences, we have to be authentic. I mean, we have to be authentic anyway, but, uh, across all of our audiences, but you've really got to, you can't just show up with an advertisement on TikTok or Instagram or any of those other channels, right? If you're not authentic and you actually speak in the right language and the right tone. And that's very important for a brand like ours because we span a lot of different age groups. So the challenge is tone, which is really, really important. And also the challenge is being authentic, but not actually ignoring all the, the other audiences around that. People see through it. People see through it really, really easily these days. Absolutely, it's the tone that we've got to get right. And, you know, I think we're getting there. And I've seen some of our competitors in the same space that are also trying that out. As a whole, as an industry, we're getting there. Talk to tonality a little bit more. I think for different audiences, you know yourself that actually you've got to personalize the experience a lot more than maybe we as an industry, as a marketing organizations across the world have done before. The new tools that enable us to do that can create a much more authentic experience. We can create different tones that actually speak to what the audiences are thinking, what the audience recognize in their day-to-day -day lives, using things like behavioral economics and behavioral science to actually tap in to what the audience groups are thinking about at any particular given moment in time. Like any business, we have research panels, talk to our audiences, we want to understand them. But the technology today means, of course, we can tailor everything really, really appropriately. And that's what we're doing. And it's been a huge shift even over these past couple of years. And it's really changed how our audiences perceive us. Are you talking to your audiences more frequently? to understand the tone better. 
I'm sure we'd love to be talking to them every day, but we need to be there for them at the moments that are actually critical in their lives. Otherwise, people just switch off. We've all had those emails at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, uh, you know, when you kind of go, oh, I don't need them right now. So the secret behind that is actually ensuring that we're there when they need us, when they may be thinking about us. And actually, we're doing that. So hopefully... We're not overloading them with messages. Far from it. I want to be there at the right times, in the right moments. And by personalizing our communications to them, I hope we're, we're doing that. Stay with us. There's more to come. And now for a short break. For a new CMO, the pressure to deliver results is on from the get-go. If you don't take a disciplined approach to onboarding, you'll soon find yourself in a defensive crouch without laying a solid foundation for long-term value. ANA CMO's 90-Day Quick Wins Package is a combination of videos, cheat sheets, checklists, and more to help your first three months as CMO or marketing lead be a success. To learn more, go to www.ana.net slash first 90 days. I'm speaking with Richard Parkinson, Chief Brand Officer at Prudential Financial, about the company's new marketing and advertising efforts. Richard, how has the campaign or the campaigns rather helped to bring in new audiences and how have the returns been going? It's been an interesting six months since this campaign has launched and we are starting to see an increase in our consideration numbers, an increase across all audiences, actually, an increase in some of the key things that we look at in terms of attribute, particularly, um, you know, trustworthy is a modern company. Would I look at them for my financial services? All of those numbers have been going up. So as we've personalized the campaign even more to different audience groups, instead of this one size fits all approach, which may have worked 10 years ago. It certainly doesn't today. And as we've created that personalization, we've found that people are coming to us more, trying to find out more about us. How can we be relevant in their lives? So early days at the moment, and, you know, like a brand marketeer that I am, I'm like, come on, tell me the results. Where are we going? We're seeing all the numbers pointing in a really positive direction. Which media channels have you been leading into and why? And can you give us a quick example of one channel that resonated in particular? Every marketer, we're wrestling with what do you put into linear TV? What do you put into audio? What do you put on digital? It's the combination of all of those that have really resonated. You know, leaning in much more than we maybe have done into cultural moments, because that's where we've discovered that our audiences are. But also we're trying to lean in, as I've already mentioned, about those moments in time when people may need us. We've done sort of our media mix modeling and we've worked out where we need to be and at what times. And we'll also be very opportunistic. If we see an opportunity that we want to grab, we will go for it. I think the benefit of having our media teams in-house is that they can see and sense those opportunities. We can react really, really quickly. And that goes to the nimbleness and the agility of the teams to be able to react and take opportunities that some of our competitors may not be able to do. And so we're really excited about that because we can kind of switch it on and we've got all the assets in place and we can see what works. Yes, it's been a whole range of channels. We're excited to see the results. Looking for some more specific examples, despite the lurch to streaming, for example, have you been relying on linear TV to get the message out? 
We have been relying on linear TV, but mainly in some of those big cultural moments. So you'll see us way more into sports and live events where the audiences gather. But of course, we're careful in the approach there because actually we will look at other channels where, you know, actually there's maybe a, a consistent following of people that we want to try and target. That's then supplemented by digital and what's going on. And again, what we're trying to do is create those personalized experiences. So where people click through and they come to prudential.com, they get much more of a personalized experience than they may be used to. All of those things are adding up to actually quite a successful campaign. But what has been a very new area for us, I think, is in the world of audio and podcasting and actually advertising on on those streams. There's a huge amount of content out there. How do we come across in those channels in an authentic way? And that's been an interesting test and learn for us and, uh, and actually it's working really well. When we talk about audio branding, sonic branding, have companies just scratched the surface? Oh, I think so. You know, I'm envious of some brands that have that, that little four, five note symbol that you can kind of go, oh, that's... Well, I think we can all probably name the brands. Sure, uh, you know, sure. Intel, uh, T-Mobile, in, while we're at it. Exactly. Intel and T-Mobile. I think, as any brand marketer will tell you, everybody's jealous of those brands that have got that five-note, six-note symbol. Is that something we may be focusing on in the future? It's really crucial part. People have got limited attention spans these days. You've got to get their attention in ways that brands may not have thought about before. It's a really difficult thing to do, to have a five or six note symbol. It's really, really difficult. And actually, isn't just the case of putting something down on a piece of paper and hoping that it will work. I'm envious of those brands that have got that. If there's one thing out there I'm envious of, it's that. It does seem devilishly hard to create and come up with that sonic branding. To your point just a moment ago, it works because you're not asking so much of the consumer. Correct, because people don't have the time. They just hear it in the background or visually, you know, through our campaign, we've tried to make it really visually appealing. And actually, you'll see that we lean into the circle, which is around the rock. We use bright colors with an emphasis on the blue, but we lean into that sort of really simple language on screen because people don't have the time and they've got to immediately know that it's from Prudential. And I understand, Richard, that the campaigns are ongoing, but what have been some of the lessons learned so far when it comes to execution? Speed is always one of the things that everybody can improve on. That's one of the biggest lessons for us, making sure that we set a deadline and meet it, right? There's lots of things to be lined up from internal brand teams, risk and compliance people, our agency partners, the media teams, all of that kind of stuff. And actually, we've created a model, I think, now that really works well during the last 18 months, where everybody's had to be really agile during the pandemic period as well, where people aren't meeting face to face. We've got that down. Being authentic to the brand and driving the brand standards home in a consistent and effective way all of the time has been also a key learning for us. People don't have time to think, is that Prudential? Is that whoever? Is that whoever? Driving home those key brand standards is really critical. And to the listeners out there who I'm sure, why can't we use pink when our brand color is green. Take it from me, you've got to drive that consistency because fundamentally our audiences don't care about the brand as much as we care about our brands. You have to drive the consistency because you're there to ensure that your brand is relevant not only now, but also in the future as well. In discussing the new campaigns, I think it raises this notion that's been percolating in marketing for the last several years about 
there being less and less daylight between B2C and B2B marketing in terms of blended ad models and treating both markets similarly, as was not the case, say, even five years ago. Talk to that. Do you see more of a blending between B2C and B2B advertising, particularly when it comes to creative? I understand that with B2B purchases, these are purchases that could sometimes take six months, a year, 18 months out, consumer purchases a lot faster. But what do you see as the melding of B2B and B2C advertising? Absolutely. There is a coming together of B2B and B2C advertising. We need consistency in our brand. You can't have a consumer brand doing one thing over here and a B2B brand doing another thing over here because the person who's sitting in the B2B and say, for example, a financial advisor who we're looking to get will see the B2C advertising and kind of go, oh, what? The messaging maybe slightly different to that audience and personalized to that B2B audience. But visually and in terms of the tone, it would be disingenuous for us to kind of go, oh, look at over here. And then, oh, we're going to be very serious over here. Everybody can consume media no matter where it happens to be these days. And you will see our campaigns. Every brand marketer is wrestling with this. There's a shortage of time and there's a shortage of money and there's a shortage of resources. So why not make the one thing you've got work really hard for all of the audiences out there? And yes, the messaging through personalization may be slightly different and may focus more on products or features or benefits, but it's still got to have the same optimism and hope, particularly in our campaign, that the B2C campaign has. Otherwise, people sit there and kind of go, well, what company am I talking to? I agree entirely. I've always gotten the vibe that B2B buyers think when they're targeted, oh, why is this so sober and solemn? And, and why dull. can't there be fun? And dull. Some of the times you kind of think they're humans too. It's not like they're a robot sitting in a different world, in a different room, and aren't consuming any other media. They are humans too. Whether your campaign is focusing on the serious or whether your campaign is focusing on the humorous or the optimistic or whatever it's focused on, make sure that it's consistent because otherwise the blending is coming together. And people kind of go, well, is this a different business? And surely you need one tone for your business. And that needs to be reflected throughout your advertising and your branding. Otherwise, people don't know what you stand for. Staying in this lane, Richard, when we talk about B2C versus B2B, we also might talk about branding versus performance marketing, lead gen, et cetera. My question is, why is branding spoken about in a pejorative sense these days? Is it a function of this unpredictable economy we're living in? Why is branding getting such a, a bad rap when brand loyalty is at such a low ebb? I'm not entirely sure why it gets a bad rap either. Sometimes people may see it as, oh, well, that's the fluffy, interesting stuff about talking about our brand rather than actually driving hard business results. But you can't have one without the other. You can't have performance marketing without a really good brand, both of which go hand in hand, because if you've got a really good brand, that means people trust you. And that means brand loyalty goes up. And so therefore, your performance marketing will help. And when you've got performance marketing and you're focusing on the right messages to the right channels at the right time, it really helps if you've got a strong brand, because then it cuts through. If both camps sitting separately within an organization, perhaps there should be some coming together. 
because both can help each other out really well. In my team, performance marketing and media buying and all that kind of stuff sits with me, with the brand, and also uh, works hand in hand with the businesses and the measurement teams. We're focused on some clear goals, but you really can't have one without the other. Otherwise, you kind of wonder, well, we've spent all this email, we've spent all this money on this performance marketing email campaign. Why has it not worked? Well, have you looked at the state of your brand? And is it being considered? And is it aware? And does it resonate with people? And all the things that I look after, they've got to work together. I don't know why branding is getting a bad rap, but it's certainly more than the logo. And that's what we've got to make sure that people know about, that it will really drive consideration and awareness and fundamentally purchase intent. So you would not subscribe to this notion that uh, branding versus performance is a zero-sum game, Absolutely. that marketers have to put all their eggs into one basket at the expense of another. Absolutely not. Nobody wins if that's the case. If you don't have a strong brand, I mean, never mind about trying to attract uh, customers. What about your employees who are your biggest brand ambassadors? They want to be really enamored and in love with the brand that you have. And they want to go out shouting about the brand. They don't want to hide behind a bushel. And with all of those new employees that you want to attract, they want to be like, oh, gosh, that's the brand that I really want to work with. And that's why it's got to work hand in hand with performance marketing. Otherwise, all of those other things fall away. Your biggest ambassadors are your employees or potential employees. The brand doesn't only just affect customers, it affects the people that you're trying to attract to work for you and who are already there working for you, which can help your growth in so many ways. For financial services companies working in a heavily regulated industry, do you think financial services firms, healthcare companies perhaps need to be less risk averse when it comes to ad creative? There is a regulatory framework that we all have to work within. And that regulatory framework changes with some speed sometimes. So we all have to adapt. However, I'm not entirely sure why we have to put up with dull, boring, creative, because we are trying to cut through. I work with our partners in legal, risk, compliance, all of the time to ensure that we stay within the parameters of what is allowed in this regulatory environment. That shouldn't stifle creativity. And actually, we should be able to push against each other to make the creative and fundamentally, the things that we want to do stand out to our audiences. So if we work together, it results in something much better that cuts through rather than sort of taking standoff positions. Everybody that works in marketing and probably everybody that works in a business wants the business to grow. So how can we work within that framework to help the business to grow? And that's the challenge that actually we're doing really well at at Prudential. As we start to wrap up, Richard, working with legal risk compliance, all well and good and all necessary. However, when it comes to perhaps being a little less risk averse, how much of it is talent, recruiting new talent, going beyond traditional talent precincts to hire people who can bring that mindset to the table? Talent is a really key opportunity for any brand. I myself have worked in an agency for 20 years, and in fact, had my own agency for 20 years, I came to Prudential. It was a shock for me, and also maybe a shock for Prudential. I don't know. If you bring in talent from all different streams, the creative will get better. 
you need to have these diverse ranges of opinions to get the best creative and fundamentally growth for the business. One of the things we're looking at here, by the way, is for people who've been in Prudential quite a, a long time, is about how we effectively career path people. Because in an agency, it's much easier to do in within an in-house organization, a bit more difficult. So we're working on uh, career paths about how they can grow and how creators can grow on their career path and produce the best creative. But when it comes to talent, you need to find talent pools from all over. That talent has to be representative of your audiences. And if it's not representative of your audiences, then how are you going to do all the things we've talked about, personalization and being relevant and being there at the right times and in the right places and in the right moments, if you're tone deaf to some of the audiences that you don't have on your staff? Once you've overcome it and you keep working at it and you have a diverse team, then you can fundamentally represent the diverse audiences that your brand serves. And a very illuminating note to end on. That's all the time we have. Richard, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No problem. And thank you very much for inviting me. You bet. To learn more about the Who's Your Rock campaign, go to Prudential.com. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining me. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.